0: be able to take it to that next level that's what i'm excited about mills quick pass
1: nico at the five nico in the end zone the dagger and
2: grenard with the sack back at the 25 yard line touchdown houston rock and roll tremont smith coast to
1: coast there is no off season for your houston texans game day is every day now it's texans all access
2: Oh, yes. Good evening. Hello, Texans. Mark Vandermeer with you in the Hyundai Texans radio studio with John Harris. As we have, it's not a week, it's a week and a day until practice starts. It'll be a week from tomorrow morning when we'll be out there at the Houston Methodist Training Center talking about what we're seeing. Everybody's going to be in the building by next week at the latest early on as veterans and rookies have to report. John McClain joins us tonight. It's Thursday. That's what we do. Great to have the general aboard As always, and John, let's start here. I tweeted it out, top five to-do's for the Houston Texans, and we'll go in no particular order. I would imagine getting a good performance out of Davis Mills has to be high on your list, if not number one. Is it? And if that's number one, what's number two for you? Good evening.
3: Well, first of all, I expect Davis Mills to make improvement over the way he finished last season when he was the best rookie quarterback in the NFL. And that's because Nick Casario, Lovey Smith, and Pep Hamilton have confidence in him. And, but what I want to see, number one, is a running game. You know, they were our worst running team in franchise history, last in the NFL. The year before, they were next to last. They have to improve the running game. That started up front with George Warhop. And I remember when we interviewed him for the first time, he talked about what was so important to him, average yards per carry. Texans were last in the NFL. The Jaguars, whom the Texans blasted two times and haven't lost to them since 2017, were fifth in average per carry. So, it starts up front that I'm really looking forward to seeing Damian Pierce, rookie fourth-round pick, once he gets established, and I think it's only a matter of time before he's getting the bulk of the carries ahead of Marlon Mack and, and Rex Burkhead, and So the running game, which we're really not going to see the way we want to until they start playing preseason games and they can really bash each other, but it starts in camp. To me, on offense, if they have a running game that's improved, that'll help Mills, that'll help the defense, and Mills and the defense need all the help they can get.
0: General, at that point, you talk about offense and what you want to see from them. Defensively, You've seen a, a decent amount of the same characters we saw last year thrown in a Derek Stingley, throwing in a Jalen Petrie. But what is it that you want to see on that side of the ball that you could potentially start seeing in training camp?
3: Up front, pass rush, stopping the run. That'll be other things we have to see when they start playing. Three additions uh, to the defense. There's a bunch of additions to the defensive line, but the three I'm looking the most forward to are Jerry Hughes. Mario Addison and Rashid Green from Buffalo and Seattle. And then of course they got a couple of rookies. And and if they play better up front, really in the front seven, that's going to help the secondary. The secondary is going to have three new starters Derek Stingley, Jalen Petrie, and Steven Nelson, a veteran free agent. So they they need all the help they can get up front. I think the players are used to Levy Smith's system. I just read a thing last night they played more cover two than any team in the league and they played it well because that's how you get interceptions is you're facing the ball instead of turning and running with your back to the ball chasing receivers. What I want to see when they and we may not see this till regular season, how will Lovey Smith use Derek Stingley? Will he put him on the best receiver like he talked about? Will he play more zone? Lovey's had some really good cornerbacks in his career, coaching defense, Rondy Barber, his Williams, Charles Tillman. So he knows how to use that, utilize that talent. And with Stingley being a rookie and coming off an injury, I don't think all of a sudden they're going to say, hey, first game, you know, you got to take the number one receiver all over the field. But I think at some point early, he will get that kind of. Uh, Confident that they'll have enough confidence to give him that assignment on a regular basis, and where your corner drafted as high as he was, you ought to be able to handle it.
2: You know, John, it's funny because when Lovey Smith was named head coach and we knew Pep Hamilton was going to be the offensive coordinator, we all read up on him even more. Obviously, he was here last year as quarterbacks coach, and then we talk about it through the offseason, and then you do more digging and more digging. How do you feel lately about the offensive coordinator role for Pep Hamilton heading into training camp? And what it might look like, what he might experiment with, with Mills and the running backs he has to work with. And the O-line changes now that the O-line is coached by George Warhop.
3: Well, first of all, we're not going to see any strategic, anything strategic. Uh, while we're watching them in training camp, and he won't show much in preseason. But the fact is, Hamilton wants to be a head coach. This puts him closer to being a head coach. If, say, they win six games this year, nine next year, and, and they're competing for a wild card next year, people are going to look and say, okay, well, who's behind that? And if Davis Mills continues to develop and young receivers like Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan and And John Mechie, those guys, uh, they show, and then people are going to be looking at Pep to be a head coach in the NFL. So he'll hold back. But I thought I saw a thing this week. I think it was on ESPN talking about improved players, and they had Brevin Jordan in there. And I'm thinking, well, I would have put Nico Collins in there, but they spoke very highly of what they had seen on Jordan in the latter part of the season when he figured it all out. You know, he had three touchdowns, I believe, all in the red zone. But the one I would look at first, and I will when we get to camp because he was so impressive in the OTAs, is Nico College. You know, last year he was coming off an opt-out last season in college, and it took him a while to learn it. It looks like he's worked hard to gain weight and muscle on that tall frame, and so I can't wait to see what kind of target he'll be. And uh, watching last night, I was at the soccer match. They had Jonathan Owens, Davis Mills, and Brandon Cooks there, and I thought it was so cool that Cooks, their best player, showed up for that, and all of them seemed very happy about it. And uh, (laughs) one of the guys next to us who had recognized me, we were talking about – the Texans, and the Astros, when they introduced Jonathan Owens, he goes, isn't that Simone Biles' boyfriend? I said, at some point, if he's able to play more and play the way he flashed, people are going to be saying, isn't uh, Simone Biles his wife? And uh, that's because I think they're getting married. So people will start talking about him besides being uh, her, I guess their fiancés. They may have gotten married. I don't know. And uh, he's such a popular guy and such a great guy. I, I, you know, I'm not. Maybe he starts. You know, you're thinking about okay, who's going to be the other safety with Petrie? I just thought about that because he flashed last year. It's amazing now how much more quality depth they had than this than they had last year. But people still don't give them respect around the league, uh, and and they've got to show people they're wrong. And this time next year, be higher rated. When it comes to the roster, did y'all see that projection over the next three years from ESPN's experts? They had the Texans about 27th and the highest thing they had among the categories was Nick Casario. Everybody likes what Nick is doing the roster.
0: Well, if Davis Mills becomes the guy that we want him to, I don't think they'll, they'll be at that particular point, but Davis has to, developed there's no doubt it, john it's interesting you brought up brevin jordan and I, I have been championing uh brevin jordan from the time i was calling for him to be drafted i had him in my top 40 of the harris 100 a couple of years ago but in some sense when i start thinking about jordan i kind of overshadow Farrell brown and at otas and mini camps i felt like Farrell was in much better shape he is again that much further removed from the catastrophic injury that he had but he's got to find consistency as you look at the tight end position Brevin obviously could take a step, but he's not a guy that – he wants to be a blocker, but he's not used that capacity. Farrah Brown can kind of do a little bit of everything, and when the stars are all aligned, he can make some big-time plays and impact this offense. How do you look at that with Brevin, Jordan, and Farrah Brown and the tight end position as a whole?
3: Well, Jordan is an H-back. He's like a big wide receiver, and he's not going to be put on the line to bang – bang on pass rushers and then the running game. I thought this time last year and I wrote this for the Chronicle, I thought Farrell Brown, based on the way he flashed in his first year here, was ready to break out. And then he didn't do squat. Now this year he's talked about, you know, he feels like he could be all pro. That would make him one of the candidates for comeback player of the year and what a blessing it would be for pep Hamilton and lovey smith if indeed he could step up and take that big tight end role you know the texans haven't had a consistently good tight end since owen daniels they've had some who flashed maybe Farrell brown steps up and takes over that role and uh it does impress enough people where he could get all pro recognition but he would have to take a big jump, and it has to start with being healthy. You know, a lot of them, you got to be on the field. I think Jonathan Bernard will go to the Pro Bowl if he's able to play 15 games, because I think he'll be up around 12 or 13 sacks based on what he showed last year when he played 10 games. And I think we're going to see a lot of the guys we saw last year improve. I think Malik Collins will be even better now that he knows the system. They've gotten so many new guys Up front, can't wait to see how that plays out. John, how
2: do you think the Steelers are going to handle it with Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky? Do you think Pickett starts pretty quickly as this season gets kicked off? Or is it going to be a while? Let him learn. Let him be like Patrick Mahomes. Not that he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but let him sit for almost the entirety of the season. I guess a lot of this depends on how Trubisky looks in this camp and these preseason games. What are your thoughts?
3: Well, Pickett is the future, might be the present. Trubisky's a – he's not a has-been. He's kind of a never-was uh, based on where he was picked and who he was picked ahead of, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And maybe he's going to be one of those veterans that moves around and finds a system and a coach and that's and ideal for him. But Kenny Pickett's from Pitt. He's, in, he's moved next door. Their facilities are right next to each other. And – uh, it's only a matter of time before he plays. And if Trubisky struggles early, he they're going to be playing Pickett because they know him well. It's not like he started one season like Trubisky did in college or even two. You know, he is an experienced college starter, and he's smart. And they know him better than they knew any quarterback because they could see him every day if they wanted to. So I think Pickett's going to start early because I don't think Trubisky's anything special. And I think he'll put him in as long as he's healthy, that he'll continue to play and develop.
0: General, this is a 2 parts. I want you to opine on one comment I'm about to make, that the selection of Kenny Pickett was 30-some-odd years in the making because Steelers had passed on Dan Marino many, many years ago. So that's the first thing. I want you to comment on that in just a second. But secondly, today, oh, boy, a massive contract goes to the smallest quarterback in the league. Kyler Murray, the general's gut reaction to both the comment and Murray signing again, re-signing with the Arizona Cardinals.
3: Well, I'm happy for Kyler Murray. He hadn't done anything to develop to to be worthy of that kind of contract based on his performance. But the ones that are the happiest with it were Lamar Jackson and his mama, because they're his agent. And if Kyler Murray gets that based on what he's accomplished. Now, 160 mil guarantees, not 230 million guaranteed. I don't care if the contract's for 230.1. That's just window dressing. What counts is the guarantee. And so he was 70 million less than Watson. Now, I can't wait to see what Lamar Jackson gets. And I say every time I'm on a radio show, Lamar Jackson should have hired an agent. And you know they'd line up to get him. And I think that I'm happy for Murray. I'm happy for the Cardinals. I wish they had DeAndre Hopkins from the get-go, but they don't because when he played, Murray was a different quarterback. All those stats have been broken down. Now he doesn't have Hop for the first six. He doesn't have Christian Kirk, who's in Jacksonville. So I can't wait to see how he plays early in the season because he wasn't nearly as effective after, after Hopkins went out with the knee injury and John, I'm sorry. What would you ask me the first oh. one?
0: When Kenny Pickett got drafted, all I could think about uh, was the Steelers passed on Dan Marino. He's right in front of their nose. And they passed on him with all the different rumors, and everything that were flying about Dan, they passed on him. Do you think that yeah, had something were, to do were, with them drafting Kenny Pickett no. because he's the same yeah. kind of guy?
3: No, absolutely not. You know, Marino was bigger. He had a better arm, quicker release, bigger hands. Dan Marino went as low as he did because that was at the height of players, athletes, celebrities, doing people in society doing cocaine. And I remember there was all these rumors about Dan Marino doing cocaine. I have no idea if they were true. Remember Warren Zapp, right when he was drafted, some might have been the New York Times wrote about, hot and cocaine was sap. And then, boom, he dropped to the Buccaneers, helped them win a Super Bowl, is the All-of-Fame. Marino drops to the Dolphins, uh, helps them go to a Super Bowl, and he's the an All-of-Fame. But I don't think the only thing they had in common was they played at Pitt. And uh, truth is, if Davis Mills had stayed in Stanford, I b- I'll bet you Davis Mills would have been the first quarterback taken, and it would have gone a lot higher than the Pittsburgh Steelers. John, where do you think – back to Lamar
2: Jackson for a moment. Where do you think the deal does end up? Does he get the guaranteed money that Watson got eventually? I don't want to get into does he deserve it or not because a lot of this is just posturing agents, whatever. And he did beat him head-to-head beat him. Uh, but he has done good things with his football team. I mean, he he has led them to a lot of wins, a number one overall seed. And he's highly productive, although very different in playing style than Watson. How do you think it ends up? And is there any doubt in your mind that if he had an agent, he would get that kind of money?
3: Well, first of all, if he's talking to the contract negotiators and he says, "Okay, I've been an MVP, here's my stats. And they go, oh, yeah, but look at your record in the playoffs. You know, you don't want to be talking to a player like that. You don't want to put negativity out there. That's why he needs an agent. And I'm guessing like Laramie Tunsil, Tunsil got a lot of publicity about doing a contract himself because he didn't have an agent. But he had three guys, financial guys, advising him. And I'm guessing Jackson has that. But when everybody says he and his his mother are representing him, right away you think, okay, they're no match for the Ravens. I think they'll get it done. Uh, You know they'd want – $231 231 million guaranteed, but if they stick to their guns, like obviously the Cardinals did, and ego doesn't get in it, you know, he'll end up with more guaranteed than Kyler Murray. But it might be a while before anybody gets the guarantee that Watson did. You know, negotiators are gonna say, Hey, that's a that's a pipe dream by a desperate team that gave that. We're not giving you that, and you can sit out till kingdom come. Because we're just not going to do it. And if you believe they're not going to do it, you take what you can get. And that's what happened with Kyrie. And I believe with 160 mil guaranteed, he's probably quite happy right now.
0: General, Sean Payton stepped away from the Saints. I read there were three teams. I didn't even dive into the article because, I don't know, maybe Sean Payton's out of sight, out of mind. But I guess he probably shouldn't be, even though he's not on a sideline this year where ultimately is it as easy as Sean Payton's going to be the Dallas Cowboys head coach in a year, maybe two, or is there some of the team maybe lurking that you think Sean Payton makes some sense going to at some point?
3: We have to keep in mind, John, he had total control of personnel with the Saints. Everybody acts like the Saints are going to be real good with Dennis Allen, who was four and 12 at two seasons, two seasons in Oakland, and, and Mickey Loomis, the GM who's back, but Payton had control. Now, he and Jerry Jones are tight. Would he go there? Would Jerry Jones give him total control of personnel? Because Jerry has it right now. And I I do a weekly show in San Antonio, and they're all over the Cowboys, and they think Mike McCarthy has to go to the Super Bowl to be able to keep his job. What a terrible situation that is. But there may be another team that pops up and says, hey, you know, we got a great quarterback in place. You know, what if what if uh the the Cardinals bomb out and they get rid of Kingsbury and Michael Bidwell calls and says, Here are the keys to the to the to the car. You drive it, you decide everything you want. Could be somebody comes out with a great situation and offers it to him. So we can't say, okay, he's gonna replace Mike McDaniel after one year in Miami. I don't think that's gonna happen. And the Cowboys are real, but you know there's gonna be Other openings and 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 he's not going to pin himself down on one, no matter how good of friends he is with Jerry Jones.
2: Okay, John, the Cleveland Browns reportedly signing Josh Rosen. What does that tell us about anything they may or may not know about the oncoming suspension? Do you think they were tipped off? Hey, it's going to be in this range, sign a guy like this. Or would they change their philosophy if it was going to be longer? I'm not sure, but what are your thoughts just based on the signing of Rosen?
3: Well, first of all, they'd be desperate for a quarterback because he's awful. One of the biggest busts in NFL history. Such a big bust. They drafted Kyler Murray the next year. And uh, Joshua, Do- jo- Joshua Dobbs is there with Jacoby Brissett. And it's amazing all these people that say what they're hearing about the suspension when nobody has a clue. First of all, Sue Robinson, the judge, is an independent arbitrator, has never made a decision like this. And whatever she picks, you expect it to be appealed to Roger Dell or whoever he designates to hear it. And so really when she comes out, it'll be a huge story, but it might just be the next step. So signing Rosen tells me that they're expecting to six games or more. And because, you know, I don't know what role they could have with him. I just read Tony Gross. He's covered them for 35 years. Thinks he'll be the third quarterback behind Brazette and Dobbs. And so nobody knows what it's going to be. And it's, it's been kicked around for 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 months now that he could be eight games season. Fact is, nobody knows.
0: General, I've been listening to this uh, podcast about Andrew Luck and the fact that he's not in football anymore. I mean, just listening to it, it's, it, it's really, really well done by Zach Kiefer. But I want to go back to that day when you found out that Andrew Luck was actually retiring from the NFL It felt like it was the biggest shock in the world, but then you heard the reasons why, and you're like, well, yeah, they didn't protect him. He really didn't protect himself because of the way that he played. What do you remember most about when Andrew Luck actually decided to retire and what you thought when you heard the news?
3: We were in Arlington. The Texans were playing the Cowboys. I had gone from my seat to get a glass of tea, and a guy next to me was waiting, and I hear him. He looks at his phone. He goes, holy bleep. And I didn't know him. I turned around and I said, what, what's up? He said, Andrew Luck just retired. Adam Schefter reported it. And um, I've known Andrew since he was in high school, which same play with Oliver and Kathy one game. And, and, and I knew he'd been hurt really bad and beaten up because you guys know his style of play. And he was on the sideline at a Colts game in Indy when word got out with Schefter and the fans booed him and he didn't want it to come out like that. And knowing him, I bet he and Oliver were infuriated that somebody liked that. So as he left the field, fans were booing him. And then of course he had to do an impromptu news conference and a lot of people thought he might come back. But he's been one of the most low-key retired players I've ever seen. He's very smart. He's married. He has a child. Oliver said he's very, very happy. And, of course, the Colts had hoped he would come back, but there was never a chance of that. So as long as I'm uh, on this side of the grass and people ask me that question, I'll never forget standing in that press box when I heard it. John,
2: as we say goodbye, I'm going, to ask you, I'm going to ask John Harris this after the break because it's our oh kicker in who's better in that segment we do. But I'll ask you this. More hated Astros opponent, the Yankees or the Braves?
3: More hated Astros oh, there was well, the Braves, no, no, no. The Bra- they was a great rivalry. They didn't hate each other. The Astros and Yankees hate each other. The Astros and the Dodgers hate each other, and and a lot in a lot of it's not just fans booing; it's players that have come out and blasted them. So I don't put the Braves in in that category because it was a good rivalry when they were in the same division. But this one's hate. This one's even better. If they were playing the Braves and swept the Braves, that's great. But boy, if they win the second game and they beat the Yankees and shut up all their fans. Uh, that will put that will be uh, the best rivalry I've seen the Astros have.
2: Well, the reason I brought it up is because they're one and four all time in the postseason against the Braves in playoff series, including that World Series loss that uh, we want to forget about. But but it's uh it's a good point you make. It's a good point based on what happened in 2017 and everything else and everyone's feelings involved. General, thanks so much. We look forward to seeing you at training camp next week. But we'll have training camp eve programming one week from tonight. Thanks a lot
3: mark and john thank you very much i look forward to talking to you next thursday night and every day at training camp
2: let's do it john mcclain joining us every day in training camp why not nick casario kicks off our training camp coverage one week from tomorrow morning at the houston methodist training center so excited about that also who's better coming up john harris evaluates college and young professional quarterbacks Also, I'll have the question I just asked. Also, Texans opponent question. Also, historical question because we do that as well here. It's Texans Radio.
1: Texans Radio continues in a moment. What if your preferred hospital could also be your primary care provider? At Houston Methodist, we go beyond hospital care, offering you everything from flu shots to well-woman exams to managing your weight and cholesterol. And our primary care doctors and specialists are connected all across the city. So whatever the need, wherever you live, we can be there for you. Visit HoustonMethodist.org to find the care you need at locations throughout Houston. Houston Methodist. Leading medicine. Leading medicine. Leading medicine. Leading. Texans Radio. The drive continues.
2: It does. And Mark Vandermeer here. You there, John Harris with us as well, as we're in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio, which is anywhere we want it to be because it's 2022. And, Johnny, I didn't put it on Instagram, but I did take a little video of us taking apart the studio equipment today that was actually installed. Texans Radio was born 10 years ago. 2012 is when we started up these kinds of shows in the studio in the building. And we use really good state-of-the-art equipment, which is now not state-of-the-art anymore, and we're (laughs) upgrading. And, man, oh, man, did we dig up some stuff today. I thought I saw Phantom of the Opera behind (laughs) the rack that we have with the Ah. wiring. I thought it was like Michael Crawford and singing was heard. It was very strange. But we're going to have all this cool stuff in there. And it's really not much. You don't need much to go on the radio these days. It's expensive, but it's not much. So it's cool
0: and you know me i i am highly highly ocd so seeing the cords and the the spider webs (laughs) of wires that were back there just always like i i've always wanted to kind of just tear it apart and start over and now you Mm -hmm. just tear it apart and you're starting over but with taking all those wires and it's it's just interesting to see how things have have sort of changed and yeah, we changed with it, but seeing that big old box go out, I was kind of like, I was sad, but yet, eh, yeah. this is nice and new. It's uh, We're good. It's going to be The fun. rack. Oh, yeah. I was so
2: excited when we got that, and I'm excited about this stuff today, and we'll have more on that later. Okay, let's play Who's Better. We do this just about every Thursday. Let's go. Johnny, I'm going to turn this into a question sort of who's better segment. I'm going to sort of get off the format a little bit. Okay. It's kind of like who's the worst, and will there be a worst? (laughs) Will the Texans play the team that ends up with the top pick in the draft this year? Is the team with the 2023 top pick on the schedule for the Houston Texans? It's not going to be the Texans, so shut up, everybody out there thinking that. (laughs) It's not even a possibility. Stop it. So are they going to play the team with the number one pick? Is it the Giants, the Jaguars? Is it the Bears, possibly? Is the team on their schedule?
0: Those are the three teams that I came up with that as soon as you started to question, that's where I went, Uh, especially the bears. And I, I just, I know the defense is good enough. You would think, I mean, if you think about the bears last few years, you're like, Oh, they got Khalil Mack and they got a key mix. And it's like, well, wait a second. Uh, No, now they do have Roquan Smith and they got Eddie Jackson and the defense will be okay, but they're missing some. And I shouldn't even say missing because they're not getting back. They've lost a couple of really exceptional pieces to that defense up front, which made that that defense great. So what makes the offense great? I do think Justin Fields will be better without having to deal with the Matt Nagy offensive regime, which just wasn't working. I mean, Nick Foles pretty much spilled that tea on Monday Night Football when he told the Monday Night Football crew he won't even call those plays because he knows they, they don't work. He just knows, and he's like, "I'm not, I'm not calling it." So, anyways, point being, I think the Bears are a good candidate for it. I know the Giants have added Kayvon Thibodeau and uh, Evan Neal, but if Saquon Barkley remains kind of what he's been, what really with the New York Giants do you get excited about? It certainly isn't Daniel Jones, Danielle, Daniel Jones. So, I think those are the three that I would say are in are in contention. And what would be really awesome is if there is a suspension in a particular city and that team just can't get on track Ooh. and they end up having just an awful season. Boy, that would, how would, oh my gosh, how, awesome, so good. how awesome would that oh, be? <laughs> please. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, from that, and, and that's, that's kind of the, the, it's kind of the hope to me in some, in some sense is that. Either the Texans pick or the Browns pick over the next couple years kind of can turn into uh, like what the Dolphins did with Laramie Tunsil, except that they draft better. I don't know that the Dolphins ultimately drafted all that well with all the, the draft picks they got in the Laramie Tunsil deal outside of maneuvering to get Jalen Waddle. But what they did and how they did it just made that one trade for Laramie Tunsell the kind of the gift that kept on giving. And hopefully that's what happens with Deshaun Watson. But I ultimately think the team with the number one pick ends up being one of those three teams and the Texans will face one of them. Hey, by the way, sidebar here. The
2: music that our producer Chris Santiago is playing in the background here, this is the what I call new NFL films music, meaning it's still throwback, but it's throwback to NFL primetime with Chris Berman. Yeah. Because I can. Is that how it's labeled, Chris, if Chris can jump on and tell us how it's labeled in the studio? Because I'm wondering, I can hear Chris Berman's voice practically rumbling, stumbling, yeah. bumbling. Oh, poof, poof, poof. <laughs> and he runs in. I mean, that poof, I'm sorry. I know a lot of people don't like Chris Berman. And Josh Ennis the other night tweeted out during Home Run Derby, I'm sorry, Berman did it better. And it wasn't, I didn't think that was that great, but I think Berman has a place in the heart of a lot of NFL fans. He oh, yeah. had some real estate in your brain and feelings as far as the way the league is covered. That Sunday night was so special. Okay, next, who's better? Well, we mentioned well, the Texans are going to play the team that ends up with the top pick. Whoever does end up with the top pick, Likely to take Bryce Young. At this point anyway, things can change. Yeah. Who's gonna have a better career, Johnny? Bryce Young or Trevor Lawrence. Better career, name it.
0: Better career. that um, you know and you know well, why I did this. I mean you did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually a little, bit of, I was a little bit surprised I was about to take umbrage with the fact that you're making Bryce Young the number one overall pick. Oh, when okay. Well, you know. Could be Will Anderson, Jr. out of Alabama. Could be C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State, who has been fantastic. You know, there's a surprise quarterback that always steps up. I mean, at this point, three years ago, we didn't even know Joe Burrow was going to be Joe Burrow. Uh, so, from that perspective, I do think – and it's funny because I was actually thinking about Bryce today when I was driving – into the stadium, and I was th- not so. I was thinking about Bryce as a Texan or whatever, but just thinking about him as a as a developed football player. I mean, when the guy was at modern, he played at one of the great high schools in California, in, in in the country actually, in modern day. And when I first watched him when he was a sophomore, I thought he was, t- he was tiny. He was tiny. He looked like Derek Jeter uh, back when Derek Jeter was in high school, and Derek Jeter was like 150 pounds. And I was watching the the captain documentary, and they showed him like, man, he's tiny. He was tiny, and I just thought, man, I don't know if he's ever going to develop in college because he's so small, but then you watch Bryce throw the football. And he hits every throw. He is magnificent, work in the pocket. He is calm, cool, under pressure. He answers in the clutch like he did against Auburn. Uh, he's got some fire when you need it, but he's only foot 194. Trevor, on the other hand, is 6'6", 225. And if he can just get Doug Peterson to work and and polish down those 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 sore spots, those rough spots, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to end up being that guy. But I don't want to fall into the height, weight, speed category. I think Bryce Young is going to be a fabulous quarterback. And if Trevor this year isn't cutting it, I mean, we, we see, and there are still significant holes. I, I mean, if you're not seeing it two years, well, it can't be Urban Meyer anymore. I mean, that's the excuse that, that we're going on with Trevor Lawrence. And I and I was a big proponent of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I remember telling you and getting all mad during a game, Andre and I, about the fact that, oh, my gosh, the Jags are getting number one pick to get Trevor Lawrence. And you're like, ah, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, uh, you gave it the uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Ah, that's, that's what you gave it. So there's a part of me that hopes you're right, but I don't think you will be. I do think that Trevor starts to turn it around this year. I think the second half of this year – is going to be when you watch Trevor and go, okay, that's, that's the guy. I think, I think Bryce, uh, Bryce Young is going to be fantastic. But I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be that plus. He's 6'6", 225, and can do everything on a football field. It's just a matter of having the right leader, having the right people around him. I don't know that he's all the way there yet with all that, but I think they're getting there, and I think this is going to be a big second half of the year for him to show that he is the guy going into year three, no doubt.
2: I wonder how many years in his career, into his career he'll cut the hair. He's gonna do it at some point. You no. know it's coming off at some point. No, he's
0: sunshine. You don't think so? No,
2: I don't know. No, he's not cutting it. I mean, thirty-two no. years old, thirty-three years old. He's
0: cutting the hair at the latest. No.
2: he's always Man. had it. Why change? I don't know.
0: We'll see. We'll I see. Mean, have you seen his brother, his brother. Have you seen his brother? No. His his brother is is like uh, an adult version of Sp- like an adult <laughs> under control version of Yeah. <laughs> But it's long. It's really long. Like He's a surfer guy, thinks a little differently, long, long, long hair. No, he's keeping, he's keeping the locks, I promise. All right,
2: you. so I heard a podcast where Sean Penn talks about meeting the guy who inspired Jeff Spicoli oh. later in life. But he's with his family, his kids no and everything. And he didn't even tell the guy. The guy doesn't even oh. know. That he was the inspiration. Because, of course, Sean Penn <laughs> took it and ran with it. And yeah. Fast Times is kind of relevant now. My kid knows about it from Stranger Things because they reference Phoebe Cates. Yeah, And yeah. they have the, uh, what's the car song they play when Fe- when Phoebe's coming out? Uh, in cool stereo. Times.
0: Something in stereo. Yeah, yeah, um, moving in stereo. Moving in stereo. So
2: right. that's one of the 80s tunes that they're playing in Stranger Things. Anyway, all right, back to this. Who's better? Now we're going to go historical for you here. Just like we did with the movies in this past tangent we took. Best quarterback, gut reaction, who's better? And I want you to rank maybe three of these guys. Okay. Best quarterback not to win a Super Bowl, who do you have first? What is your gut reaction? Who just pops into your brain? Dan Marino. I think that's the best. I think I think I I don't think it's even debatable. He's got to be the one, right? He's Here the one. Here are other candidates for you. Yeah. Other candidates oh, let include... me Let me fire and
0: see how many of them I would okay. hit on that list. I would put Jim Kelly next. I think that's a put, solid pick. I would put Dan Fouts after yeah. that. And then I would go Philip Rivers at number four. Those are those would be the four right off the top of my head. I didn't even know you were asking this question, but those are the four I would put top off the top of my head. I think that's
2: solid. Warren Moon is also up there. I'm looking at the all-time passing yardage leaders, right? And Rivers is the highest one on this list. Not that this means everything because there's inflation with passing yards in college and pro football. But Rivers is sixth on the all-time list, 63,000 yards, no Super Bowl wins. He's got at least, what, two or three AFC championship game appearances, so that's good. Marino, obviously, it's there. He went to a Super Bowl, lost it. We all thought he was going back plenty. Didn't do it. He's right behind Rivers on the all-time list. Then it's Matt Ryan, 8th overall, but I don't think that he's going to make our top five of greatest quarterbacks to not win a Super Bowl, even though he could have, would have, should have. And then you go down the list, Warren Moon, 13, Fran Tarkenton, 14. How about that? Uh, Fouts is 18th on the all-time yardage list, and I think Fouts should be up there as one of the greatest ones to not win one. He went to two AFC Championship games, and then Jim Kelly is 29th on the all-time yardage list. But so what? He went to four Super Bowls in a row. That is strong stuff, boys
0: and girls. Well, he also spent uh, three, three three years in USFL. Yep. That's gonna that obviously cost him. Let, let's say he throws for it, back at that point 3,500 to 4,000 yards. I mean. That, that, was a, that was a tall task back then. But even if he throws, say he throws for 3500 in three years, that's another 10500 you tack on to his yardage level because he was going to start immediately upon being in Buffalo. So say you tack on another ten grand onto his passing number, that puts him up there. But, yeah, Warren Moon, Warren Moon would be my top four. I'd have to move Rivers down at least and then have a battle between Fouts and, and Moon and I just I loved watching Warren Moon throw football. I I loved it. And you know who I oh. put a wild card here. Here's if I, absolute and total wild card that if I had to go win a Super Bowl game. Randall Cunningham. I know it sounds odd, but you know me. I like my quarterbacks to be a little bit mo- have a mobility aspect oh, to put phenomenal. defenses on blast. So Randall Cunningham. In a one-game, winner-take-all sort of thing. Ooh, man. And, by the way, if I could have gotten Michael Vick Ooh. in a winner-take-all, one-game situation, I might i might have to go with Vick. A little, I would say, at the be playing style beginning of his career, but mentally at the end of his career. Because by the end of his career, he finally started taking it serious. He started you, know, you know, living by the playbook, all that kind of stuff. You would have taken that mentally with him physically – he would have been unstoppable. He would have been unstoppable. So I'll throw those two in there as well. But uh, at the top, it's got to be Marino. Uh, Bigger Astros villain, Yankees or Braves? Yankees. I mean, the Braves, it's so it, – those are such – I, mean, so I gave
2: a strong case with the postseason no, history. They no, you could did. never get through the Braves, and then they finally did. Chris Burke, they finally did. And then, you know, they joined the American League, and then you end up losing to the Braves in a
0: World I, Series. Thanks a lot. I get it, but it's the Yankees. I know. You know as well as I do. That means something. It's the Yankees. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's true. Okay, next up, Thursday Night Football, Johnny. The format's going to be a little bit different with this Amazon thing. I have inside info we'll share next on Texans All Access.
1: Texans All Access continues in a moment.
2: It's time to amp up the fun. Now, during the Ford Summer Supercharged Sales Event, Just move on get great
1: offers on select Ford vehicles, not and you'll not nice. only bring back the fun, you'll supercharge Just it. Move on so, stop by the Summer Supercharged Sales Event at your Ford dealer and discover how Ford can take your summer to a whole new level. Not all
2: models, trims, or features may be available. Contact your dealer for information. Just move on
1: We return to Texans All Access.
2: Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Great to have you along. Okay. Amazon has Thursday night football this year. The Texans have a tie-in because they're going to be the first Amazon broadcast. It's Thursday night, the final preseason game, week three. And the game will be on local TV. It'll be on TV in the market. So it'll be their broadcast on, I believe, gosh, I believe it's Fox that have it, has it. I know it's not ABC 13, our regular preseason TV partner, because these things get put up for bid. Anyway, so you'll see it on, quote, free TV, but you'll also be able to see it on Amazon, and the nation will see it on Amazon. That's their maiden voyage, Johnny. They have Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, the whole crew. They have a bazillion cameras in the building, a ton of angles. They're really going to try to be innov- innovative. The other thing they're doing is shortening or – lessening the amount of commercial breaks. And the reason I know this is because we play San Francisco, and they came to the radio guys, the people who run the radio operation, and they said, hey, we are going to take fewer commercial breaks. Is that okay? And we're going to make it work. We figured it out. So we can make that work. And it's not a ton fewer, but you might notice it, and they're going to try some other things as well to – Have the game speed up a little bit and maybe lessen the amount of recorded commercials you're seeing. I don't know how they're going to do it. I think Amazon, they'd be crazy not to try everything innovative they possibly can. It's the kind of thing. I'm not going to call it a loss leader for them. I think they can make all the money back and then some. But they're going to use it to attract new and exciting people to their app, right? So pretty cool. I just thought I'd share some of that information with people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's cool. And, and to your point, Mark, about doing something, you know, different, I, I, I'm all about that. I mean, we watch games now, and if you just turned a game on, you're like, okay, what's the situation? You can look up and you see a score bug, right? And you're like, oh, Texans are up 17-3 on, on the LA Chargers. There's seven minutes left to go in the third quarter. You, the Three timeouts each. You see all that information, yeah. right? Well, that all started with Fox. When Fox got into football in 94 and they got the NFC, that was one of the first innovations they had was that little score bug they put up there. And at first you're like, okay. And then you're like, wait a second. We have never had this. This is awesome. It gives you everything you need to know right about the game. And that was, I mean, I would say it was a throw-in, but it was one of the things that Fox came up with that they did new. They had they had different eyes on the game and they came up with something new. So I'm, I'm all for it. If Amazon wants to try something out and give it a shot, Hey, man, let's rock on. Let's do it. I I got let's try it. Can't 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 hurt to to try and improve the game in some way, shape or form. And look, there might be some things like the glowing puck that doesn't work, but maybe there maybe there is something like the score bug that ends up sticking because Amazon is putting its eyes on football really for the first time. You
2: cannot imagine watching a game now without a score bug. Uh, We'll probably get into this more tomorrow, but you uh, texted this one to me about the Patriots (laughs) announcing their full coaching staff. Joe Judge is the offensive assistant slash quarterback's coach. Yes. So not coordinator. Matt Patricia is senior football advisor slash offensive line. Okay, boys and girls, what harm is there in naming a coordinator? Maybe there's really legit no coordinator, and Belichick's going to do it, Johnny. Maybe. I got a feeling that he's going to have a ton of input, and might be, in fact, the play caller on offense. And if I were them, I might do that because who's better than him, really? And if you and were, the, if you're Robert Kraft, and it was up to you, you'd say, "Bill, you do it." Like, based on what you have on staff here,
0: you'd say, "Bill, you do it." Yeah, and Belichick's done it before. I, I read an article, oh boy, I can't remember where it was, but it was it was a it was a newspaper shot from '91. The first four or five games, I think, with the Cleveland Browns, where he took over as head coach, he was calling offensive plays back in ninety one. That was his first head coaching job, and he had he had a staff. I mean, he had Saban, uh, his personnel staff included. Oh, he had Kirk Ferentz on that staff. There were tons of really wow. good coaches on that staff, Pioli. and yet he was the one calling calling the plays. And his Peoli was in his personnel staff, so he called the plays. He's done it before. It's just odd. But it goes back to our point about Amazon. Look, if you're going to do it differently, you better do it better than everybody else. And so if he's going to do it that way, the pressure's on to do it differently than everybody else does it. And we'll see if the Patriots are wired that way this year.
2: All right, my friend, that's going to do it for the show. Looking forward to tomorrow's program and a week from tomorrow morning being at Texans training camp live at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Our shows kick off on the 29th, 8 a.m. with Nick Casario live on the program. Can't wait for that. Thank you, Chris, for producing. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great night, and go Texans.
1: This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.
2: Academy Sports and Outdoors has you covered with everything you need to have fun out there. From the best sports brands like Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour, to all your essentials for backyard cooking, and the best gear for hunting, fishing, and enjoying the outdoors, Academy has it all. Order online at academy.com or on the Academy app and pick up in-store or get free shipping on most orders. Make shopping easy with Academy Sports and Outdoors. Free shipping applies to most orders over $25. Online sign-in required.